Nation. Ladies and gentlemen of Lafayette. The Hammered Down Show with Jared Jesolitis is Lafayette's number one sports show. Yes, I'm excited. He totally went to Jared. The voice of Lafayette sports. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. Send us your thoughts on the text line at 765-447-4080. Now go to that voodoo that you do so well. Uh, a little bit breezy today, still. Uh, you'll take that sunshine and warm temperatures in the middle of November. I know you. All right. Good show lined up for you today. Uh, Jed Wilkinson from Hammer and Rails on with us here in a little bit. Talk about the addition of Jakari Harris and uh, what that means for Purdue basketball. we got to get to that. Um, just plenty of local stuff to talk about here. Why am I dilly-dallying? Let's get going. It's need-to-know news time. Here's your need-to-know news. All right, let's start with some major news in Major League Baseball. No, the Cubs have not acquired Shohei Otani, but uh, the rumors are they are pursuing him. No, uh, this is actually, I would say, bigger. Major League Baseball owners have voted to allow the Oakland Athletics to move to Las Vegas. It would only be their second relocation in the past half century. Potential move comes after more than two decades of failed efforts to get a new stadium in the city of Oakland, needing uh, backing from three quarters of the teams at the quarterly owners' meetings, it received unanimous support, says uh, sources to ESPN. Also, not a lot of questions about near-term future stadium plans because, you know, Vegas has got to build this thing, and there's maybe still some hiccups to that. But the approval from the owner's side, which is a big hurdle, has been crossed. They may play some games in their minor league stadium out in Vegas, and maybe a combination of a couple other places. It's going to be a mess. Long story short, absolute mess. Can't wait. Anything for money, though, right? The way these guys roll. Speaking of playing for the love of the game, how about the IU Health Hoops Classic tonight? Girls continue their action tonight. Jeff and Harrison at May Gymnasium in the console. Uh, followed by Benton Central and Rensselaer. Winner of that goes to the ship against uh, either Central Catholic and West Lafayette. They play tonight over at McCutcheon. Uh, before that, it's uh, McCutcheon and Twin Lakes in the consolation game there. So winners of the consolation game play each other. Uh, losers, so you, you know how that works. They go all day on Saturday to determine the winner. Big news in the Big Ten. Iowa's Cooper Jean is uh, done for the season. One of the best cornerbacks in the country. One of the best punt returners in the country. Probably first-round pick is done. We've probably seen him for the last time in an Iowa uniform. Nature of the injury, not... We know it's a leg injury, but that's it. He's one of five finalists for the Nagurski Award as the best defensive player in college football. He's also the Big Ten's leader in punt return average. 
They're scheduled to take on Illinois at home this weekend. And I have not seen what that line has been. Although I'm not going to lie, you're more interested in the over-under, aren't you? Yes, that's at 3.30 on Fox Sports 1. Current line is sitting at three points in favor of Iowa. The over-under at 31 and a half. It may be time to take an Iowa over. I mean, the Big Ten West just is not going to put anything close to a contender in the Big Ten Championship game, are they? For reference, by the way, Iowa at 5-2 owns a commanding lead over Northwestern, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Illinois, and Minnesota, who are all 3-4 in conference play. Purdue is eliminated at 2-5. It's crazy. Northwestern, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Illinois... In Minnesota, all five and five overall and three and four in conference play. <laughs> Penn State is third in the East, and they would be tied for the lead right now in the West. I mean, that's just uh, it's mind boggling. Absolutely mind boggling. I mean, whoever's going to be, if it's Michigan or Ohio State, it just doesn't matter in the Big Ten championship game. I mean, they might not even, they may be able to rest starters if they want to. Ugh. It's getting rough. Big Ten hoops from last night. All three teams cover in the Big Ten. That includes Ohio State over Merrimack, 76 to 52. Nebraska beats Stony Brook, 84 to 63. Rutgers takes down Georgetown, 71 to 60. Tonight, in Big Ten, two games. Wright State travels to Bloomington. The Hoosiers are 13 and a half point favorite there. Minnesota. They're hosting Missouri, and they're one-and-a-half-point home dogs tonight. Both games, by the way, on BTN, and there you go. That would be today's need-to-know news. Not exactly the most exciting Big Ten action tonight. Um, I'm interested in Indiana. Let's see what they can do. They failed to cover those first two games. They've not exactly looked great in those first two games. They should be able to beat Wright State. Wright State, not good, but that spread's gotten a little bit lower here. They have to put it together a little bit at one point. But I am completely avoiding the Big Ten tonight. I don't... As much as I don't believe in Minnesota, I don't know a thing about Missouri. Missouri's played absolutely nobody. I don't you know. My gut tells me Missouri covers, but I don't have any data or science or anything like that to really back that up. Other than I know, you know, Minnesota is just, they struggle. We're going to go where we got plenty more data sets, and that is to Thursday night football, where the Ravens are going to host the Cincinnati Bengals. Right now, a three and a half point. Favorite are the home team Ravens. And we've got some numbers to go over here. Most importantly, Cincinnati, in the last 10 years, in road primetime games, is 0-14. I'll say that again. The Cincinnati Bengals are 0-14 on the road in primetime games over the last 10 years. 
astonishing. How do we take advantage? First off, uh, we were great yesterday, by the way. We did hit that uh, that Rutgers-Georgetown under. Nailed that. But tonight, here's what we're looking at. I like the Ravens minus one and a half in the first half. Let's go to the first half bet here. Somebody put me onto this. Baltimore has only trailed for 28 minutes on the season total. The lowest rate in the league. Nobody's even close. Ravens are 8-2 and two against the spread in the first half this season. We only got to cover one and a half. Joe Burrow may not have T. Higgins either. Could be a big deal. There's my play tonight. Ravens first half minus one and a half. Now, everybody is talking that this is a Mark Andrews game. I hate it when everybody gets on the same thing and all the data lines up and this looks like a no-brainer. Absolutely hate when that happens. But I would be doing you a disservice if I did not give you the numbers behind it. Mark Andrews, anytime touchdown tonight. He has six touchdowns, 13 red zone targets, which is fifth most in the NFL. He scored against the Bengals in week one. You like him here. Not bad. He's in plus money. We like that. We also like him tonight in plus money to go over four and a half receptions. The Bengals have allowed 55 receptions to tight ends in nine games. That's averaging over six per game. Andrews is not your average tight end either. He's getting targeted in average of six and a half times per game. So we got to get five in. I think he can do that. Especially if they get down the red zone. The Ravens are second in the NFL in red zone trips per game. Cincinnati's defense ranks 30th in DOVA versus tight ends. Bengals are a bottom 10 in catches, yards, and touchdowns allowed to tight ends. Andrews historically has done well against him. He's got a three-game touchdown streak going against the Bengals. In his last three games here, he's been targeted 10 times, 10 times, and 8 times, going for 8, 8, and 5 on his receptions. The yardage just gets a little inconsistent. And we're at like 53, I think, 53 and a half. I like getting into plus money. I think he gets the targets. I just feel like the receptions is a little bit better of a play here tonight. I do like over four and a half catches for Mark Andrews. I, he just get, I mean, if he's going to get double-digit targets, you can't tell me he can't pull five of those things in, right? Now, he only got four targets last week against Cincinnati, but he did have 10 the week before against Seattle. He had 10 in week one against Cincinnati. He's also been held out of the uh, end zone here on the uh, in the last two games as well, so he's due. Those are the numbers on Mark Andrews. Do with that as you would. But I'm telling you, I just hate it when everybody is all on the same thing. It's always a bad omen. But boy, those are really, really, really good numbers. Really good numbers. 
Uh, if you're looking for a little bit of a value pick here tonight as well, I, I think Lamar Jackson tonight as an anytime touchdown scorer looks pretty good. He is another guy uh, that is sitting at a plus money touchdown mark. And we're dealing with a Cincinnati defense that allows a lot of run. Only two teams allow more rushing yards per game than the Bengals, the Jets and the Broncos. Cincinnati's averaging 136 yards per game allowed. So, yeah, I'm watching for a Lamar anytime touchdown. That might be my lottery ticket tonight. But, again, the numbers on Andrews are really, really good. I'm going to take the first half, and I might go ahead and just parlay that first half and Baltimore wins. And to be honest with you, I think the over is somewhat in play tonight, and that goes against everything that I believe with the numbers. Listen, after last week, the under right now is a staggering 25-7 and in primetime games this season. But you've also got a Baltimore team that's put up 30-plus points in their, what, their last three games, I believe? And Joe Burrow's starting to come back alive as well. He's getting healthier and healthier. Again, might not have T. Higgins. But, I mean, the Bengals have put up, what, 27-24 and 31 in their last three games? And the Ravens have put up 31, 37, and 31 in their last three games. Forty-six and a half. Ugh, we're getting there. But both these offenses are really popping. Just things to consider there. Those are the numbers. I told you what I'm playing. I give you the additional numbers, you make your choice. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. Jed from Hammer and Rails coming up next. Stick around. We're going to talk plenty more local sports on the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer. One- Welcome back to the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. We're over to the Blue Fox Eating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline where uh, Jed from Hammer and Rails is waiting to join us. Uh, great Purdue blog here. And uh, welcome to the program, Jed. Always good to have you on. Uh, a, big, uh, a big day yesterday for Purdue Nation. They get their sixth commit. In the class of uh, 2024 here for Purdue men's basketball, Jakari Harris, a uh, long-held target for Purdue, signs on the dotted line, and that brings this year's uh, class to six total. It's a lot to take in. First, uh, let's talk about this kid from Logansville, Georgia. Uh, very highly recruited, uh, recruited guy, top 100 player, unanimously across all of the uh, recruiting services. And from you know what I can tell, watching him play the clips that I've watched him play, just just seems like a ball player, man. I don't know if there's a better way to describe. It. I mean, the the dude just balls. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jared. You know, I think uh, this was one of those those deals where you know Matt Painter is really showing his growth as a head coach. You know, a number of years ago, he kind of swung and missed on another on another uh, Glenn Robinson sort of. Uh, lineage player with Gary Harris and he's you know I think he was like hey I'm not going to make that same mistake uh here again and you know you watch uh Jakari play 
And one of the things that, that kind of that pops out to me for a young player who is just, I mean, he's a scorer, and his jump shot is just repeatable. And if you don't know kind of what that means is that anytime he shoots the ball, whatever, if it's from the corner, it's the top of the key, if it's a mid-range jump shot, it looks the same coming off his hands every single time. If, if you know, Purdue fans have watched Miles Colvin in these first three games, it's the same type of process where every time it comes off his hands, it is repeatable, and that's going to lead to a lot, a lot of made shots. And he is, he is a scorer. You know, he is a, a flat-out uh, combo guard who brings a, a, a sort of the, a, a, the level of what Purdue can achieve in the future brings that floor up because he is a uh, he he's a he's a ball player who can play the one and the two but can fly to the three as well being six four so that that versatility that Matt Painter is, is really sort of going for especially in this six player class is is really really featured with a player like Jakari Harris Jed, is there a, a, a comp that you can give us that's maybe a former Purdue player or maybe somebody recently in the Big Ten that Purdue fans are uh, familiar with that he reminds you of? Oh, man. Um, whew, that's a good question. You know, he's, you know, I don't know if there's a, a real big comp here at uh, Purdue, and I'd really have to kind of rack my brain to think of a, of a guy here in the Big Ten that kind of relates to him. You know, if, if I was going with uh, sort of just off the top of my head from a Purdue perspective, hmm, you know, I, I kind of have to say, you know, he's not, I don't think he's maybe quite the level of an Etuan Moore, but plays, this, plays in a similar way, a really versatile guy. You know, Moore could bring the ball up. He could go score. He could play defense. You know, he was just sort of that versatile player that, you know, when you paired him with a Jawan Johnson and with a, with a Robbie Hummel and a Lewis Jackson, you know, his value really sort of stood out in, in his ability to kind of – he could handle the ball. He could go score at all three levels. He could play, you know, defense and defend one, two, and three if you needed him to. I'd say probably each one more might be the best comp that you know we could see and i'm not saying at all because etuan moore was you know as phenomenal of a ball player as Purdue's probably had in the last 25 years i think his long nba career kind of says that but if i had to make a comp i'd probably have to say probably closer to etuan moore jed wilkinson from uh, hammer rails on with us here on the blue fox heating cooling hammerhead hotline so harris makes six in this class that's an awfully large uh class and i think some fans are doing uh the math here and saying well uh, do we have room? Uh, is is speaking of scholarships and stuff too? Now you start talking about playing time because you know with Cannon Catchings coming in as well. Uh, we just talked about Cam Heidi and you know Miles Colvin kind of demanding some more time. And it seems to be like it's getting awfully crowded with the uh, talent and the potential. Uh, is there? Should we be watching for somebody that maybe decides they're going to uh, uh, step away from Purdue? Is is there somebody that maybe leaves a little bit early? Uh, what happens here? Uh, with this team and, and finding room for Jakari Harris. Obviously, his talent uh, dictates that you've got to find some room here for him, but uh, what's the most likely scenarios uh, in your estimation, Jed? Well, you know, I, I think um, you know, the first thing I would say is, you know, if Matt Painter wasn't confident 
in what needed to happen, he wouldn't have taken six guys in this class. You know, you know, quite oftentimes, if you've ever sat in a room with Matt Painter, you've kind of quickly realized he's probably the smartest guy in the room. You know, he is, he is an intelligent guy, so he's probably got multiple different paths he can take. You know, in today's uh, NIL landscape, you know, there's, there's places that have handed out NIL deals that are equivalent to the scholarship uh, or to the tuition cost. That's an avenue that could uh, possibly come about. You know, uh, Matt Painter has, has not shied away from the prep school uh, alternative at times. You know, that, you know, that's an alternative here for maybe one of these six guys, um, you know, more so some than other. You know, I, I don't think you're going to prep school Jakari Harris, Cannon Catchings, um, you know, or uh, probably even Daniel Jacobson, considering, you know, he, he reclassified a year early and he's already at a prep school. Um, does that mean, uh, you know, a, a Jack Venter maybe prep schools? That's a possibility. Uh, but there's also always that possibility that somebody decides that, hey, you know, I'm looking at this, I'm looking around, and, you know, you look at the front court situation and, and there's, a, there's a ton of talent. You know, you got Caleb First, you got Trey Kaufman-Wren, you got Willie Berg, and you've got some other guys that can slide down to that power forward position too. Do you see someone from the front court leave? Do you see maybe one of those wings that, you know, is seeing their playing time maybe, you know, slide down a little bit? You know, I don't think that's ideal, but in today's landscape where it's the free transfer, you know, you might end up seeing that or you might see somebody, you know, maybe bolt for the NBA and do something along those lines. There's, there's a number of different paths to get there. And I'm confident that Matt Painter is going to put Purdue on the right path. And more, uh, more importantly, whoever it is, is he's going to put them on the right path. You know, I don't think Matt Painter is going to, is going to sell any of his, his guys short that are in his program. Jed Wilkinson, again, hammerandrails.com, the uh, Purdue blog there that you can uh, check out his work at. Uh, talking Jakari Harris and what that means for this uh, for this uh, recruiting class of six, which uh, we, we, I think we come to consensus this is either number one or number two all time uh, for Matt Painter uh, in yeah, terms of rankings. So, yeah, so when you look at the rankings overall, you know, Cannon Catchings is the second overall highest rate of recruit under Matt Painter, and Jakari Harris is actually fifth. You know, I really think this kind of parallels the class, that 2014 class that had five. Right, and that was a that was a massive number back then with Matthias and Haas, uh, Vince Edwards, PJ Thompson, and you know a lot of people don't remember that Jaquiel Taylor was in that class as well. You know, this class kind of parallels that where you've got a ton of versatility and so forth. That class was rated thirty third. You saw how how well they ended up doing, you know, in their years at Purdue. So um, this class is currently rated seventh overall. They're probably going to end up in the top ten. Uh, there's some big names still out there that need to. Uh, uh, to commit, you know, Dylan Harper being uh, likely headed to Rutgers, and that'll probably vault them into maybe number one, number two, surprisingly, overall uh, in the rankings. But, man, um, if people are a little bit fearful about the post-Zach Eady uh, Boilermakers, uh, you look at this class and you look at the guys that are in the, in the program right now, I don't, I don't think there's a lot to worry about. I think Purdue's going to stay kind of right where they are for the near future. Jed, uh, buddy, uh, great analysis there. We really appreciate the time. Uh, don't forget, again, hammerandrails.com. That's the website. Uh, Jed, thank you so much, buddy. We appreciate it. 
Hey, thank you very much, Bowler. Take care, bud. All right, we're going to take a break. Hey, hang tight. We'll come back. More Hammer Down show for you when we return on 1017 The Hammer. 1017. Shows on 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. Getting ready for Saturday's uh, football action here, right? Going to go up to uh, Northwestern. Dave Braun just got uh, named the. They, they took the interim tag off. They made him uh, fully full on now. Congratulations to him. Uh, but, you know, Purdue coming off with a great victory against Minnesota at home. Uh, where, where did that offense come from? That's a really tough game to pin down. Now, uh, Purdue, I think, actually opened up as an underdog in this one. Now they're like a three-point favorite. But you look at what they did last week to Minnesota, and it's just... Uh, we went over the box score on Monday. I, the amount of rushing yards, uh, I it doesn't seem real. And 600 total yards of offense, 353 yards rushing, doesn't seem real. Now, I don't know that Purdue can necessarily replicate that again. Is the Northwestern defense better than Minnesota's? I would think so. I would say so. I'm not very high on Minnesota, but at the same time, Purdue's offense had not shown signs of life for a month, and then all of a sudden exploded. Did they just catch Minnesota at the right time? Was it the right day and everything just clicked? Can that be a new... 600 yards is not is tough to call a standard, but at the same time, can they find that level of success or somewhere in that neighborhood of success again? If so, they should be able to roll over Northwestern. Here becomes the issue, though, and this is uh, this is the big one. Here is you know, Ben Bryant will be the quarterback here. This is a Northwestern team that's found ways to win at Wisconsin recently. They were then three points of beating Iowa. Uh, most teams end up doing that. I, they outdueled Maryland thirty-three to twenty-seven at home. Like they've been good at home. And the one thing that I think we lose in the conversation of Purdue over Minnesota last week is that, you know, Purdue pulled away in that second half. But that team still gave up 30 points. That still concerns me. It's that man coverage, that heavy man coverage that they run, which, look, I love putting your athletes up against other athletes, but they need more help and depth at corner right now to be able to run the way that they want to run that. That's why they're bottom in the Big Ten in the passing game. Now you're going to go up to Northwestern where... By the way, they've only lost one home game all season. They've lost two home games. Sorry, they lost the Iowa one just barely. They lost to Penn State. Uh, But other than that, they've been pretty darn good at home.
So the question remains here, does Purdue uh, slow down Bryant and the Northwestern passing attack? Can that happen? I think the weather forecast looks too bad for Saturday, so the elements probably aren't going to help out too much with that in that regard. But I think you you get lost in the you you get lost in such a great offensive performance, and it was. They went out there and earned every bit of that and made Minnesota look foolish last week. But before I really jump on that train here, like I got to see it for another week. Now, next week against Indiana, I feel like I've watched enough of their defense be Swiss cheese that I think it's something a little bit different. I mean, Northwestern's a step above Indiana for me right now. But that will be the battle over the last two games of the season. What can Purdue's defense do against the pass? You have two great pass rushers in Jenkins and Storton. They're great in getting into the backfield, but they can't do that on every pass. I think this is a Northwestern Wildcats team that's kind of bonded over their uh, early season controversy. They figured it out under uh, a new coaching, uh, new head coach. They know what works. They know what doesn't work. And Bryant taking back over, I mean, he can throw the football. They both can, both him and Sullivan. I don't think it matters who's in there. They just have to hope whoever they do put in there has got a uh, decently hot hand that day. If Bryant's already there, I again, I, I think Purdue is in a little bit of trouble in that regards. Can they come out and replicate the offensive performance against Minnesota? If I could get at least 75% of what I got last week, Purdue's going to be okay in this game. But you only got two games left. You haven't really figured out what to do with this pass defense. That remains the issue here. And that's what it comes down to for me. Because even if you get up, if you can't stop the pass, there's no hope. There's just no hope. They're going to drive down the field and get into position where they need to to get the points that they need to. They'll do it. So Purdue has to be able to bring something on defense against Northwestern uh, in this passing game. And that's really where it all rests. I have no doubt in my mind that's where this entire game rests on Saturday. That's going to be a good matchup. I'm looking forward to this one. It's noon. It's on BTN. I'm surprised they lift the interim tag from Braun, but I guess because he's just just got there that the the stain of that controversy with uh, Fitzgerald, I guess this is a easier pill to swallow. Because I really thought they'd blow them all right back out and completely start fresh.
we kind of we've shied away from what's happened up there ever since the Michigan thing. We shied away from that little controversy and the issues that the Northwestern uh, program, you know, athletic program has been having. Shied away from it. But credit to Braun, he's got his team playing. They're winning football games. And they may come down to a 10-7 loss away from playing in the Big Ten Championship game, which who would have had that at the beginning of the season? They fire Fitz and he go they go to the they win the Big Ten West in the last year? Nobody have that. You wouldn't have that. Yeah, Braun may very well be the coach of the year uh in the league as well. We're gonna take our final break. We'll come back some things we may have missed. I got something for tonight's matchup for Wright State in Indiana that just came across the wire. We'll share that with you. And more that's coming up next as we wrap up the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 101. Welcome back as we wrap up the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com. On tomorrow's show, Sam King, Lafayette, and Gerald and Courier uh, scheduled to join us there. And of course, we'll get you, we'll talk a little bit about uh, that semi state matchup between uh, Fort Wayne, Bishop Lures, and uh, Central Catholic. We'll get you ready for that. And we have uh, the Boiler Basketball Show tomorrow for you as well. So, Big Loaded Friday here on 101.7, the hammer of local sports. Let's get into some of the things that we may have missed, the things that are just a little bit out of our purview or just broken while we've been on the air. Uh, tonight, we talked about, uh, we don't really want to touch this Indiana game, 13 and a half points. They haven't covered it all. They've been very underwhelming early on, even though Wright State's not great. Wright State's leading scorer, Trey Calvin, is, uh, Calvin, sorry, is out tonight due to a shoulder injury. So, Maybe I use back on the menu, but I still don't want to mess. <laughs> show me first. Before I start putting money on you, show me first. I think any, I said this yesterday. Indiana right now, not a good basketball team. But I sincerely believe that once we get to like January, February, they'll, they'll be a lot better. I think they'll be a lot better. It just takes time when you bring in all these different pieces like that and you try to throw it together. It just it takes time to gel. I think the one thing they're missing is a really good off-the-court leader. Like that alpha that, that runs the show. That also doesn't go out and get into any kind of trouble and keeps other guys from getting into trouble. I think they need one of those guys. But there you go. Uh, that's uh, regarding tonight's Indiana game. Also, um, Dan Campbell reportedly turned down the Texas A&M job. Yeah. A&M and all its money, that's great. Why is Dan Campbell going to lead the Lions to come deal with Texas A&M fans? That's going to have to be a whole heck of a lot of money. You're out constantly recruiting. Why would you leave the pros in what is a good situation for you right now? Why would you leave that to go to college? I was shocked when I saw this name on the shortlist. And look, if you're Texas A&M, I don't blame you for making that phone call. You got all that oil money. You got a tremendous amount of resources. You should be swinging for the fences. 
even if you know he's going to say no, you still go out there, I, I think, and you ask. But I'm actually just a little surprised that he was on the list. This doesn't strike me as the college coach, you know? He seems great for the pros. I love Dan Campbell. Does he look like a guy that's... Does he look like an A&M guy to you? Does he come off as an A&M guy to you? I don't think so. That's why I was a little bit shocked. I don't blame A&M. I'm not surprised that he turned them down. I don't think that's a great match for the two of them. And again, when you're already in the pros like that and you're not in any danger of being fired and you're building something, there's something to be said for people that are trying to build something and having success at it. They tend to want to see that stuff through. Who becomes the next coach at A&M? I don't know. And to be honest, I care very minimally. But I saw that he turned them down, and I said, yeah, of course he's going to turn them down. I don't fault A&M for shooting high. I just, I, I just never thought that was a good match. Speaking of coaches who are in trouble of losing their job, perhaps it might be making a change in the leagues. Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh, according to On3, will now accept his suspension. Court hearing has been canceled. Really? What happened to all this innocent stuff? And I wanted a I wanted my moment in court. And the truth will set me free. Now we're just gonna take this medicine? I wonder why. I'm telling you, I feel like a deal's been made. So Harbaugh will now sit out, miss Maryland, he'll miss Ohio State. Either deal's been made or perhaps the length that Michigan wanted to take this to would also involve things like discovery. And then you all of a sudden go, okay, wait, never mind. Perhaps this deals with, maybe this is also blanket for the NCAA investigation too, just puts it all to bed. I mean, we've seen some of these documents. It sounds like they got them dead to rights. Perhaps this is just a way to, you know, get it over with and avoid anything further. But to have such an abrupt U-turn, I guarantee you, that was in the best interest of Jim Harbaugh and Michigan football to do that. Because they worked so hard to muddy these waters. And what about this and what about that to try to get out of it to all of a sudden turn around like this? It is clearly in somebody's best interest to do so. And that just adds a little bit more intrigue to it. That does it for us here on the Hammer Down Show. Big thanks to Jed for being on today. Really appreciate him from Hammer and Rails. Tomorrow, Sam King joins us. We'll get you ready for semi-state football as well as the weekend. I'll see you back here tomorrow at 3 o'clock on one.